ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of BizDab, the Daytona Area Business Show. Uh, my guest today is Carrie Boynton, a tax director at James Moore and Company's Daytona Beach office, and also my accountant. And, and we're going to talk about a number of things today revolving around the outlook on uh, 2021 tax season and ta- how taxes will, will affect our businesses. In the meantime, please uh, hit the subscribe button uh, on your favorite podcast player so that you are notified when the next podcast episode launches. And join us uh, on our Facebook group, that's BizDab, or visit our website for all the links, bizdab.com. Carrie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Glenn. So let's jump right into it. We inaugurated a new president today, and we're recording on Inauguration Day. And he's got some ideas on tax reform. Yes, he does. Some uh, may be scary to some people, and some might be exciting to other people. (laughs) So let's break it down. What are some of the major points? Sure. So before I dive into details, just as an overall picture, the administration is really focused on providing additional tax relief to low and middle income families and increasing the tax burden on wealthier Americans and big corporations. So that's in general what their plan is. And then, of course, we have the details of how they're going to get there. Now, that's been some of the misunderstanding, I think, is that some of the rhetoric is that everyone's going to get a tax increase. And that's not really the case. From what I understand, it's people that are bringing, is it individual or household income? It's 400,000 or more? What we're hearing is Americans who earn $400,000 or more are not going to be negatively impacted. We really don't know if it's individuals or households. You mean more, I, more or less? It, less. I'm sorry. Individuals who make less than $400,000 would not be impacted negatively. We, we don't really know if they're talking about individuals or households, but I think it's a safe assumption that it's a household income figure that they're looking at because everything we're seeing is talking about increasing tax rates over $400,000. And generally that's the household or how you file, whether it be married filing separate, married filing joint or single. What are some of the other increases uh, that we're looking at? Sure. So there's some individual provisions and then there's also corporate provisions. So in looking at corporate provisions, we expect the tax rate to go up under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was passed back in December of 2017, the corporate tax rate was reduced down to 21% from the highest marginal rate being 35%. So we we anticipate the C-Corp tax rate going up to most likely 28% is what's been thrown around. And the C-Corp tax rate right now is 24%? 21%. Okay. That's a big one. Yep. So that's a big increase. We don't anticipate it going all the way back up to pre-tax cuts and jobs act levels, but 28% is what we're hearing. And does that affect me? If What's the effect if I have an S corp or if I am uh, filed as an LLC or a sole sole proprietor? Sure. So if you're the owner of what's called a pass-through entity, so that would be an LLC taxed as a partnership or an S corporation or a single member LLC, you are not going to feel that specific tax increase because that's only going to apply to C-corporations. What about the minimum tax rate for C-corps? 
So something else that we're hearing about is a new minimum tax on C corporations that earn over $100 million, a 15% minimum tax on their book income potentially. Now, of course, they have to be making over $100 million. So that most likely won't affect our small business owners here in Volusia County. I don't know if I'll be able to pull that off this year or not, but I'll <laughs> let you know as I get closer to that $100 million mark. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Uh, some of the other increases that we're looking at, is that the end of the list or is there more? Oh, absolutely not. So I think what most Americans are interested in are the individual provisions, which affect those pass-through entities as well, because those pass-through entities, they're not actually paying the tax. It's the individual business owner who's actually paying the tax on the income that's produced by those pass-through entities. So we have heard that there would be an increase in the highest tax bracket back to the 39.6%. That was the highest tax rate pre-tax uh, cuts and jobs act. And for what bracket was that? That would again be for those individuals over $400,000 in income. Okay. So if I'm a C-Corp and I'm a CEO that's making over a hundred thousand, I'm getting hit uh, pretty hard. I'm getting hit on the C-Corp side with an increase and I'm getting hit if I'm making over 400,000 personally. Potent well, potentially. So especially if you're an owner in that C-Corporation, because if you're the CEO in the C-Corporation, you might not necessarily own stock. Most likely you do. You have some form of stock options there. So yes, you would feel a hit from both sides. Okay. Again, I don't think I'll make it there this year, but <laughs> maybe next year. But that does speak to the concern for investors, right? Because if the C-Corp tax rates go up, then the assumption is then you're going to get a lower rate of return on your investment. But something that the ind individuals are concerned about are an increase in the Social Security tax on payroll over $400,000. So currently you only pay social security tax up to the first roughly 140,000. It changes every single year a little bit. So in 2021, we're looking at 142,800 being the social security wage cap. So what this would create, they're calling it the donut hole effect, where basically you'd be taxed on your social security wages up to that 142,800 then not taxed between that and 400,000. And then after 400,000, your wages will be taxed again at the social security tax rate. So there's that sort of hole in the middle between a hundred and something and 400 that you're not going to see much of an increase. But if you're on the other side of those numbers, then you're looking at having to pay a little more tax. Exactly. Exactly. So additional payroll taxes, additional income taxes for those taxpayers earning over $400,000. Something else that they're putting out there is reducing or phasing out the qualified business income deduction for taxpayers earning over $400,000. And this is a really big deal for those pass-through entities. This was the new deduction created with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that uh, if your business was in certain industries, you were basically able to exclude up to 20% of the net income of the company. So basically you were only taxed on 80% of the net income of the company. So that would be really huge to a lot of our local business owners. Do you know what some of those industries are? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you know what some of those industries are? Absolutely. Manufacturing, construction, really anything that's operational. The industries that were not allowed to get that deduction were industries such as healthcare, 
attorneys, CPAs, unfortunately, you know, there, there's a very specific list of industries that were not eligible, but so that'll be a big impact to a lot of our small business owners in our area. Another really big impact that we were hearing about would be the removal of the step up in basis in inherited property and the reduction of the estate exemption back down to 2009 levels, which is a huge reduction. So it'd be going from about 11.5 million where it is now down to about 3.5 million in terms of your estate exemption. So uh, that, that mean, that's the value of what I'm receiving in the estate. Correct. Okay. So essentially that's a, what's a $7 million difference there. And at a 45% tax rate on your estate tax, that's a huge difference, right? So what is that going to mean for a lot of our high net worth individuals? A lot of estate planning this year, as we're learning about what changes are going to be made. So are there moves we can make? Is any of this retro to 2020 or is there moves we can make before the new tax year? So everything we're talking about right now is Biden's proposal that he's put out there. So nothing, there's no bills being worked up right now that I'm aware of at least. Uh, So, you know, we really won't know what the plan is until they really start putting putting the plan into action on paper. So we don't know if anything is going to be retroactive to 2020 at this point. I highly doubt it. When do we expect to learn? (laughs) Again, more unknowns. The earlier, the better, right? The earlier we can know what he intends to do, the better so that we can plan. It's It's not a fun world for us advisors right now, having so much uncertainty in the air, because of course we like to advise our clients. And right now there's just so many unknowns. It's very difficult to do that. I absolutely recommend make sure you have an open line of communication with your CPA or your financial advisor. If you don't have a CPA or a financial advisor that you feel like you can turn to with questions that you trust, now is probably the time to, to, ask around, find somebody that you feel like you can trust and that you can depend on, because you certainly don't want to be making any rash decisions. You really want to think through any type of changes that you make in terms of your tax filings and things like that based on changes in regulation. Sure. And you may want to make different moves in 2020 before you file for 2020 in April based on what's going to happen in the future. Absolutely. Okay. So then, sorry, I, I interrupted your flow there, whether you were going on through some of the other increases we may be looking at. Yeah. And if I could just step back just for a minute and go back to the estate exemption, some people feel like well, that really doesn't apply to me. I don't have millions and millions of dollars in cash. I don't have a lot of real property worth an excessive amount. Really all I have is my business and some investment accounts in my retirement account. But when you really start to think about, okay, but what's the value of that business? Are you creeping into those exemption levels? And if you are, what's the value going to be by the time you're ready to retire or pass away? And what does that mean for your descendants? Because one thing we see sometimes is Somebody unexpectedly passes away before they do their estate planning, proper estate planning. And unfortunately, they have to, the descendants have to sell the company to pay the estate bill, the estate tax bill. 
and we hate seeing that. So go ahead, get your estate planning done. And now is a good time to do it before there's going to be any significant changes to exemption levels and things like that. I am somewhat optimistic that the administration coming in, they're going to be focusing on getting that vaccine rolled out. Biden's already really talked about wanting to push that. We have stimulus packages that need to be formulated and gotten done. So I think the focus is really going to be on the next round of stimulus, the getting the vaccine out. Of course, we're most likely going to have an impeachment trial. So I am really hopeful that we won't have significant tax reform until the end of the year at the earliest. Now, that's not to say they might not try to push through some tax items in a stimulus bill. It's always possible. You're saying that because there's so much to be done, mm-hmm. the tax reform may take a backseat to some of the other priorities. I think so. And then there, there's also a strategic reason for doing that as well, because if so similar to the way the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed back in 2017 as a part of the appropriations bill, it's much easier for them to pass tax legislation in December as a part of that in terms of the votes that are needed than trying to pass it as its own bill. So I'm anticipating that we see some movement potentially this year in December, if not definitely next year in December, I would think. And when that happens, does that affect that current year? So let's say if nothing happens between now and December of 21, does that affect the 21, let's say, calendar or tax year? It certainly can. Again, I'm optimistic and hopeful that the administration understands that business owners, they just need a little bit of time to recuperate, right, after everything that we've been through. So I'm really hoping that we don't have any changes that are going to affect the 2021 tax year, at least negative changes, maybe some additional tax credits and opportunities for 2021. And we do already have some of that passed more recently, like with the 100% deduction for meals uh, paid to restaurants to help boost the restaurant industry. Uh, sure, that deduction was reduced previously. Correct. To what, 50%, I think it was? Yep, 50% for business and, meals. And now it's back to 100%. And now it's 100% for the next two years. But yeah, I am hopeful that 2021, we might not see any negative tax impacts to 2021, but we don't know that for sure. Do you still have a list of increases here or are we moving on to tax breaks? But the one other one that I think I I need to mention just because it's been talked about is the increase in the capital gains rate for Americans to ordinary income rates for um, Americans with income over a million dollars. That really could be a huge impact to a lot of people if they increase those capital gains rates. And there might be some planning around that. But again, it's too early to do any planning because we don't know what we're working with yet. Now, tell me about all the wonderful tax breaks I'm going to get. We're all going to get. (laughs) Absolutely. So a big one that's been talked about is the expansion of the child tax credit, the dependent care credit, and the earned income credit. They're talking about expanding the premium tax credit so it's available to more Americans to help reduce their insurance premiums that they're paying on a monthly basis, potentially reestablishing the first-time homebuyer's credit. A big one that people are getting excited about is potentially bringing back the SALT deduction, which is the state and local tax deduction. 
it was a huge issue with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act passing that the deduction for state and local taxes was limited to ten thousand dollars. So it and that, really and that is that a deduction off your federal taxes? It's an itemized you're... deduction. So as long as you can actually itemize your deductions, as long as you can get over that standard deduction amount, then yes, it would come off of your taxable income. What is the standard deduction amount? Roughly 24,000 for married filing jointly and 12,000 for single. It goes up a little bit every single year, but roughly. So it really impacted people in high income tax states like New York and California, where they're paying well over $10,000 and state income taxes every single year, plus their property taxes and everything else. So sales tax. That is an interesting one too, because that actually would help higher income individuals as well as low income individuals, right? Potentially if you're in one of those states where you're gonna end up paying over $10,000 in taxes overall for your year. There's been a lot of talk about expanding energy related credits. So if you've been anticipating wanting to put in solar panels on your home, you might want to hold off and let's see, you know, what they're going to do for you there. So an incentive to go green, so to speak. Yes, that's what we're hearing. Incentivizing green energy, de-incentivizing fossil fuel energy. So And there's a lot of things coming down the pipe in terms of technologies, not just solar, putting solar panels on your roof, but uh, battery batteries in your house that will uh, charge overnight when energy distribution is cheaper, all of those kinds of things. So there's a lot coming down in the very near future. Yeah. One opportunity I'm really excited about is uh, there's been talk about establishing a 10% made in America tax credit for activities that restore production, revitalize existing closed or closing facilities, retool facilities to advance manufacturing employment or expand manufacturing payroll. I work with a lot of manufacturers in town. And so I'm I'm hopeful that there might be opportunities for some manufacturers who have been really hurt in the pandemic that may have had to close down or really cut back on operations that potentially there could be a credit available for getting that, getting their company back up and running and all of those things. Again, who knows what, what's going to come from this, but that's one that gets me excited. For individuals, equalizing the tax benefits of traditional retirement accounts to those of 401ks, because there's a big discrepancy. So if you can participate in a 401k, you get to contribute up to 19500 into your retirement account and get a tax deduction for that. And you get that $6,500 catch up if you're over 50 Whereas if you're not eligible for a 401k and you know you have your own traditional IRA, you can only contribute up to $6,000 and a $1,000 catch up if you're over 50. That's a big disadvantage to people who can't participate in 401k plans, not to mention that they can, their employer can obviously make contributions for them as well. So I think that's pretty exciting for people who want to put money away for retirement, but aren't really getting a, a tax benefit for that. Also for those of us that don't think we should rely on social security when we age out, so to speak. Right. (laughs) Will that work for IRA retirement plans as well, or just 401s? So the idea is that they would make the benefits of the traditional IRA accounts more in line with the benefits of the 401k accounts. So it wouldn't be hurting people participating in 401k accounts. It would really be helping those that are just have their own traditional IRA accounts 
and are making contributions. So really, it seems to me, if you can touch on the sort of overall ideology a bit, it seems to me that we are looking at a number of items that will help middle middle America or middle income families. I think so. But, you know, the devil is always in the details. So it's really hard to say who's going to be the winners and losers until we really see what the bill says not only what the bill says, but how does the IRS interpret that? That's a huge piece because when we were all reading through the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, we had ideas of what it was going to mean, but we didn't know for sure how we needed to report things until we actually got the forms from the IRS and their interpretations. And there were changes from what the CPA community thought the IRS was going to how the IRS was going to interpret it versus how they actually did interpret it. So that's where really having that relationship with your CPA and your trusted advisor is really going to give you some peace of mind this year. They may not be able to give you answers. (laughs) I hate to say that because I love being able to give my clients answers. We might not have an answer for you, but we can at least give you the peace of mind that we are here. We're looking, we're keeping you updated and we're here for you. I know we've all heard potentially some relief as it relates to student loans and potentially maybe expanding the deduction for student loan interest because right now it's capped at $2,500 and there are certain income thresholds and things. I There has been talk about a refundable renter's tax credit, which would be capped at $5 billion per year across the country. So I'm not exactly sure how they would go about uh, managing that. But it would basically yeah, how, do, how would they spread that? Out? Right. I'm not exactly sure how that would work. It might just be talk. It's hard to say, but the goal would be holding rent and utility payments at 30% of monthly income. And again, how, how they would go about really managing that, I don't know. So that might be just one of those kind of political things that was put out there. But those are really the big ones that I wanted to highlight today. Great. And back to my other question, for those that have unfortunately had to close their businesses or suffered big losses this past year, what's the tax strategy going forward for those people? Mm -hmm. If you're taking losses, obviously you're not paying taxes on your losses, but. So one thing that was done with the CARES Act that was passed earlier this year is now if you have a net operating loss for 2020, you can actually carry that back five years. So you can take your loss from 2020 and apply it to your 2015 tax return and actually get a refund of your 2015 taxes. And and for certain people, that could be a really big benefit because the tax rates were much higher back in 2015 than they are today. And it has to be five years back. You can't, yes, you, you, can't pick and, you can't pick and choose the year you want to apply. No, unfortunately, they don't let us pick and choose. So you have to go all the way back to the fifth year. If you fully use your NOL, then you stop. But if you have more NOL to use, then you can carry forward. So then you would go you know, to the next. So for example, if you had a 2020, you'd go back to 2015 and then 16, 17, 18, 19. And actually that applied to 2018 and 2019 net operating losses as well. So that's something that we've been working on this year with our clients who may have had losses in 2018 or 2019 that under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, they were not allowed to carry back. Now under the CARES Act, it opened up the ability to carry back those losses. So we've been able to actually go back and 
do that for clients and get pretty significant refunds for them this year. Wow. So you had to go back into people's, your clients, 18 and 19 tax returns and say, okay, here's these losses and now we can carry them back and apply them to 2020. Yep. Yep. Another small provision was the $300 above the line charitable contributions that was passed as a part of the CARES Act. And this was to promote, obviously, charitable giving. So for people who can't normally itemize their deductions, if you contributed in cash at least $300 to a 501c3 in 2020, you can take an above the line deduction for that. So you get to take your standard deduction and you can still take the $300 deduction. And that's What's the standard deduction? For 2020, we're looking at, I believe it's 24800 this year. I'm going to just double check my chart here. Yep, 24800 so married filing jointly, 12400 for single. So in general, you can either itemize your deductions or you get the standard deduction. So the standard deduction is like your baseline. If you if your itemized deductions are lower than that, then you're going to take your standard deduction. If your itemized deductions, which is going to be your taxes, your mortgage interest, your charitable contributions, if those items are above that 24,800, then you're going to want to itemize your deductions. So for those people who would normally take the standard deduction but still like to contribute to different charitable organizations, for 2020 and for 2021, now you have the opportunity to take your standard deduction and you also get to take a $300 charitable contribution deduction. I see. So it's basically adding a $300 break on top of whatever your contribution is. Yep, exactly. Was there, are there any, did we cover all of the increases and in, in breaks that, that you had listed there? Um, so I missed it earlier in my list of tax increases, but one of the proposed tax increases would be the possibly bringing back the P's limitation. And what that was is a reduction of your itemized deductions based on your income. So essentially, if you're making over $400,000, you're not going to be able to take all of your itemized deductions. It's going to be reduced using whatever formula they decide to come up with. At what point do I need to hire a CPA? If I'm a small business owner and my you know, revenue, let's say, is under $100,000, can I still go to um, H&R Block to get my taxes done or am I going to miss some things? You can always go to H&R Block to have your taxes done. You can do your taxes yourself. Ultimately, you don't know what you don't know. That's what I have found, yeah. Exactly. It's the same It's the same thing of, do you go to see the doctor if you don't feel sick? You don't know what you don't know. You could have underlying issues that have no symptoms. So I always recommend, if you're new in business, make an appointment with a CPA, a reputable CPA in town. At least have a sit-down conversation with them so you can gauge what you don't know. And you can gauge your own comfort level in doing things yourself versus having some assistance to do things. I find that it helps in giving you a little bit of confidence going forward about what you can spend on and how much you have to spend and how much you need to reserve to pay your taxes, you, you know, when depending on how you, whether you pay quarterly or annually. And also, I think the perfect example is the I'm going to butcher this, but the, what do we call it? The retro deduction, the, the deduction back five years. Mm -hmm. That's something that I wasn't even aware of until you made me aware of it. Mm -hmm. And, and it doesn't affect, it doesn't affect me greatly, 
but it helps me understand going forward what what I need to do and how if I have a heavy tax year that this that I might actually get a little bit more relief than I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say this is absolutely the year. This is the time to do it. If you haven't already done it in 2020, do it now because there's so much changing. You really need a resource to go to when you have questions. I know James Moore and company, we're constantly putting e-blasts, we're doing webinars as we're getting new, any type of new regulation. Um, Even if you're not necessarily talking to your CPA all the time, you might be able to get those resources just by engaging that CPA firm. And I think even if you're an existing client with a CPA, now is the time to meet with that person, reestablish the goals of the company, reestablish your personal goals. When do you want to retire? You know, so much comes out of those types of conversations that's not even necessarily tax related. Talk, review your buy-sell agreements, review your life insurance policies, your key man policies, your long-term disability. Make sure that you have everything in place that you need. Review your operating agreements review your estate plan, make sure that you even know where all of those things are. Get ready to have those serious planning meetings this fall or potentially in 2020, whenever you know we do start getting more serious about understanding what those potential changes are going to be in tax, in form of tax regulations. Great, Carrie, thank you so much. And if anyone wants to reach out to you or to uh, James Moore and company about, about any of these things we've discussed today, or just in general, having some CPA questions, where do they reach you? Absolutely. Our website is jmco.com. My phone number is 386-257-4100. Or my email address is carrie, C-A-R-I-E dot Boynton, B-O-Y-N-T-O-N at jmco.com. Don't hesitate. And the you, you guys are putting out a lot of content now. So there's a lot of, I assume that's free content for everyone to get uh, caught up or get up to speed on things. And so is that all on your website? Where do we find that new, that content? Yep. Yep. Head over to our website and you can find our content there. We have different podcasts ourselves. You can find all the links through our website. I just started a new podcast with a partner here, Mike Sibley, specifically focusing on the manufacturing industry. It's called More on Manufacturing. If your listeners are interested, tune in uh, to More on Manufacturing. Great. Carrie, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Glenn.